Challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. ready to receive the word of God today? Come on, I said, are you ready to receive the word of God today? Come on, let me let you into a little secret. The quieter you are today, the longer I'm going to preach. I said, are you ready to receive the word of God today? Amen. Come on, we're going to have some life. We're not in a museum. We're not in a library today. This is a church, a place of life, a place of liberty and a place of victory. I want to talk this morning actually about the blessed life again. But I want to talk about it in a different way this morning. And that is this. The title of my message today is, After the Smoke Has Settled. After the Smoke Has Settled. I am actually going to do something today that I have never done before in the time that I've been pastoring. And that is this. I am actually going to almost preach the same message today as what I preached on Wednesday night. Now, you may say, well, why would you do that? You didn't have anything else to say. Oh, I've got plenty of things, and I believe God's got plenty of things to tell us. But I believe that there is a truth here. And even before I sat down Wednesday to prepare this message, God said, get ready, you're going to do it twice. But I'll tell you this right now. I can show you the notes in my office. I sat down Thursday morning, and it took me longer to rewrite this message for today than what it normally takes just to write a message. But I believe that this is of greatest importance. Not that anything we don't preach or anything that we do preach here is not important because it's all important. When it's God's Word, how many realises it's important? But I believe there's such an urgency that we need to get these truths that we're going to hear once again today. If you were here on Wednesday, then great. I pray that it's just like a good movie. The second time you watch it, you'll see things that you missed the first time. And all of a sudden, you'll understand things a little bit better. Because I believe that there were things that we shared on Wednesday that just flew past you and never really impacted your life. Because that's what God's Word wants to do. It wants to impact your life. Literally collide with your life, changing your life, perfecting your life, and strengthening your life. So don't shut off today. It's your opportunity to really get this. So what happens? Here's the question. What happens after the smoke or the dust begins to settle? What happens after we make a commitment to God like we've never made before? What happens when we step out and say, God, I want to trust you like I've never trusted you before? I wonder what happens when we make a statement as that. I wonder what vision for our lives that we are left holding after the honeymoon period is over. Let me explain what I'm saying this morning. For the entire month of August here in this church, we dealt with a very important subject that I believe is not an optional extra, but a necessity. We talked about giving to God, our tithes, our giving to God. It's not an optional extra, I believe, it's a necessity. Now, if you go out to buy a car, how many knows there are necessities and there are optional extras? A spoiler 
is an optional extra. An engine is a necessity. Come on. Leather seats are an optional extra, but a steering wheel is a... You're in problem if you don't have a steering wheel and you don't have an engine. So in our lives, there are definitely optional extras and things that we can have. But we believe when it comes to God and the things of God, they are not optional extras, but rather necessities. Things that are needed and much needed for your life. In other words, you cannot function properly without them. Oh, you can live, maybe. You may be able to live, but the life that you live is probably a mere existence. But you will never fully experience life as Jesus came to give it. I believe Jesus used this word abundance. Can you remember that word abundance in John 10.10? Jesus said that thieves comes to steal, kill and destroy. But he says, I have come that you may have and a life of... Jesus said that there is a life of abundance. That word abundance means a surplus. That means a running over. That means a more than enough. But notice this. But a life of abundance, I believe, is connected to a life of obedience. Think about that statement. A life of abundance is connected to a life of obedience. It should be commonly understood And that is this, but you can't live how you please, nor in the principles that God lays down in his words for following, and you can't live as you want to and expect the blessings of God. Come on, we should understand that, but yet still we don't. So therefore, abundance, blessing, fullness, enrichment in our lives is connected, I believe, to obedience to God and his words. And one of those principles that we're talking about is what we've been teaching about here. And that is paying your tithes. Being faithful with that which God has given to us. Which is what we've been talking to you about, the truth. But I don't want you just to hear a message that involves money today. Because every time we hear the word tithe, we just think it's just money. I want you to hear a message today that is a life of obedience across the board. Because when we step out and we choose to put God first, it makes the enemy mad and he is not happy. But there is a life of blessing and we've talked about it. The blessed life is a life that is supernaturally touched by the power of God. Come on, I want the supernatural power of God to touch my life. You've heard me say it before, but one plus one equals two. God don't need one plus one to equal two. He can take care of two all by himself. That's supernatural. We try and reason it all out. That's natural. God says it's beyond reason and beyond logic. It's a miraculous thing. That's supernatural. And God supernaturally wants to bless our lives. And again, the choice is ours. We can choose to reject that. We can choose to deny it. But our response does not change the fact of the truth of God's Word. It's still the truth. Whether we choose to apply it, whether we choose to live it, If you choose to disbelieve the Word of God and the principles that He has, particularly one that we've been talking about in the realm of tithing, but if you choose to disbelieve the principles of God, I believe you're a fool. Yeah, you heard me right. I said, I think you're an idiot. I think you're dumb. I think you're foolish. You may say, well, Pastor, that's not very kind. Yes, it is, because at least I've been honest enough to tell you the truth. 
Because I'm not going to sugarcoat this because if you're not living right, come on, you're in problems. You've got problems. You're in sin. And where there's sin, huh, there's damnation. The wages of sin is. But the gift of God, thank God for that gift, is life. Is life. Is life. So today, if you choose not to believe it, I believe you're foolish. Why? Because anything that God has for His children is never something that will harm them. It's always something that will bless them. Who would not want that kind of blessing in their life? Come on, only a fool. (laughs) Only a fool. Only a fool. Perhaps you've still tried to convince yourself it's not for you. This God thing, this tithe thing, just Christianity. Perhaps you've tried to tell yourself, this is just not for me. But watch out because you're allowing your life to be robbed. You're allowing your future of your family to be robbed. You're allowing every part of your existence to be robbed. And I pray today that you will reconsider. You know, I know that as we've been teaching on the subject of giving to God, the blessed life, there are many people who have made a declaration. They've made a commitment to say, God, I'm going to be faithful to give my time. I'm going to, no matter what, I'm going to step into that. Why? Because I realize these are biblical principles or unchanging principles of the Bible that are given by an unchanging God. And I've made the choice to put God first. I pray that every one of you in here have made the choice, God first in your life. Put Him as the priority, the number one in your life. But as we put Him first, as we say, God, I want to live for you with everything that I have, We've got to realize that when the smoke settles, or as we said on Wednesday, in the aftermath, are we going to remain faithful to that? Say with me these words, despite it all. Despite it all. Say it one more time. Despite it all. I'm not meaning this in a negative way this morning, but we must understand this. As we make a commitment to God, as we turn around, as we just have, and say, God, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to give my tithes and I'm also going to go in the extra mile and I'm going to give my offerings. As we make a declaration and say, God, I'm surrendering everything to you. I'm allowing you to take complete control of my life. God, I want to be used in a greater way. As we make all those commitments and declarations unto God, we've got to realize this. It does not make the devil happy. He's not happy. I said, he is not happy with those things. And he's not going to go down quietly. How many knows what I'm talking about today? Come on, how many are going through some struggles in your life right now? Come on, you've even began to doubt the fact whether God's even able. Come on, let's be honest in the house today. Come on, the struggles and the trials and the tribulations. And God, we made a step. We made a commitment. But why, God? Why? Why? What we realize is that Satan wants to do everything and anything possible to steal the truth of God's Word from your life. To take it from you. Why? Because he can't take it. We're going to revisit that thought in a greater depth in a few moments, but we've got to realize he does everything he can to try and steal it. Why? Because he can't take it. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, and you can follow on the screen with us today. It says this, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I like to throw a little couple of words in there where it says, For we are not to be ignorant of his 
devices. The New Living Translation says, for we need to be familiar with his evil schemes. We need to know the schemes and the wiles and the onslaughts and the things that the devil throws at us. Here in this passage, in this particular passage, as I said Wednesday night, Paul is actually dealing specifically with the fact of forgiving people who have offended us. This is the conversation or this is the subject matter here. However, I will say this. What we also see here today is this. That the tactics that Satan uses against us are the same tactics across the board. No temptation has overtaken you except it's common to man. Why is it common to man? Because the common denominator in every situation is Satan who wants to use the same tactics over and over again. So even though this passage is dealing with forgiveness and stuff, we understand the tactics, the taunting, the plan, the purpose of Satan, whatever it may be that God requires for us to do, his tactics of attack are exactly the same. Here's the devil's thought. If it's not broken, why fix it? I mean, it's been successful. His tactics, his way has been successful from the beginning of time. I mean, he comes in really three ways. The Bible tells us this in Genesis and then one of the epistles. It tells us the three ways that Satan attacks us is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Haven't got great detail to go into or time to go into that, but every temptation that comes against us can fall under one of those categories. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh or the pride of life. So three ways that Satan uses temptation. And in fact, it was the three ways that Satan used against Jesus. Each one of them comes under one of those categories. Why is that? Because Satan desires to take advantage of your life. Oh, but I've given my life to Christ. There's no more problems. (laughs) Sorry. There's going to be some problems, but you've got the problem solver with you. Satan wants to take advantage of the commitment that we've had. Have you ever been taken advantage of by anyone? Just your kindness, your generosity, and you've been taken advantage. It leaves you feeling wounded. It leaves you feeling distressed. It leaves you feeling upset, like you've been wronged. Why? Because Satan wants to take advantage of our lives because he wants to steal the blessings of God away from us. We get so excited and we begin by putting God first and we make that commitment And we give back to God everything that's His, which is our tithe. We get so excited. Oh, thank God He's coming to my life. Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, Satan looks for ways that he can take advantage against us to unleash every attack he can and try and steal away the commitment that you and I have made. But what does Paul continue to add in that verse? He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. What does he say? Don't be ignorant. We are not to be ignorant of the devices, the attack that Satan has. That word devices literally is a vice, like on a workshop bench, that which would hold something in place. Satan wants to put us in a place and squeeze every bit of life out of us, vice us, squeeze us. But we must realize this. We must realize, we must recognize the attacks and the struggles for what they are. Satan's desire is to try and rob you from God's best for every one of your life. I said Satan's desire is to rob you from the best that God has 
for your life. I wonder how many people here today, if I was to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not, but I wonder how many people today realize that you went for second best in your life. Many times. Because that was what Satan offered to you. Why? Because it was still good and it was still a kind of blessing. But how many knows God's not a kind of good God and a kind of blessing God? He's a really good God and He's a really blessing God. Well, at least I got second best, but you still didn't get His best. So we've got to realize this, that Satan will come in every way he can for what purpose? To steal away, to take. We cannot be ignorant of the devices. So here's what you and I need to realize today. Satan is powerless to stand against God's word. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, just tune in for the next 20, 30 seconds and just hear this. Satan is powerless to stand against God's word. That means he has no answer for it. All he can do is hinder and frustrate. He cannot stop it. Satan is powerless against God's word. He cannot stop it and he cannot withhold it from your life. So he realizes that, so he resorts to plan B. And you know what his plan B is? He tries to frustrate us and tries to make us doubt God's ability. He tries to make us doubt the ableness and the willingness of God, causing us, therefore, to come to a conclusion that God's not able, questioning God, doubting God, and therefore removing our faith and trust and hope that we have in God. Remember I said that point that we were going to revisit? Here it is. Satan knows he cannot stop God's blessing from your life. But he also knows that you can He can't stop it. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Grow up. Take responsibility. Well, the devil made me smoke that joint. You know, I I have never seen the devil's hands literally come out and stick a joint in someone's mouth and light it up and say, now smoke it. Come on, let's just get honest in the house. Well, the devil made me drink that alcohol. Oh, he really did? Tell me what his hands look like. Oh, he can put the temptation there. Come on, let's be real. He can present the opportunity in front of you that's right there and it's real. But the reality is he cannot take that opportunity and put it into you. You are the one that makes the choice to do it. He can't stop the blessings. But you can. I said you can. Come on, you've got to hear this today. You can. Say with me, I can. Watch out. I can, I can, I can. Satan cannot take it. Satan cannot stop it. Satan cannot take the blessings from my life and he cannot stop them because if he could, he would have. If Satan could have destroyed our lives, which is his goal, he would have. Come on, you've got to help me out in this house today. You are here today because Satan is powerless over your life. That there's one who is over your life and that's the one who's never lost a battle. That's one who's never lost a war. That's one who's never lost one soul. That's God Almighty. If Satan could take you down, he would have done it a long time ago. All Satan can take is that which we have given and that which we have surrendered over to him. We like to talk about the fact that we're the hands and feet of Jesus, but you know what? We're also the hands and feet so many times of Satan. Carrying out his work, carrying out his purpose, which is to destroy our lives. Have you ever heard these words before? Did God really say that? 
You maybe heard them slightly different and slightly paraphrased different because I've paraphrased those words. But have you ever heard those words from the Word of God before? Did God really say that? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 and we'll see those words for ourselves. Because these are words that were spoken by a serpent to Eve in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't a snake talking, it was a vehicle or a means that Satan used. And we'll see very clearly why he used that in the first few words of Genesis 3 verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Did God really say that? Has God really indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice this straight away, he's trying to trick her. Because God never said that, and Satan knows that God never said that they couldn't eat of any tree. There was only one. The devil knew that, but he's trying to sow seeds. So from the very beginning, we see he's a liar. Right off the bat. So verse 2 goes on to say, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. No, you're wrong. We can eat of the trees of the garden. However, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. It's a whole other message here, but I wonder how many people have touched it but not eaten it. Think about that for a second. Just a little touch, nothing's wrong. Just a little touch, at least I haven't partaken it. I wonder how many of us have justified the actions of our life, at least it's just a touch, but the Bible says a touch or a taste. You're going to die. You're in risk, come on. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're in risk. Now turn to your neighbour you didn't want to talk to and say, you're in risk. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Did God really say You're not going to die. Notice the words, the confusion, the questioning, the doubt that he is sowing. And notice how he follows it up. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day that you do eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And you will know both good and evil. As I read this the other day, it kind of just hit me full in the face. All Adam and Eve knew was good. They didn't know evil. They, were, they could not know evil. All they knew was good. So Satan comes and offers them only what? Huh. You shall have good and evil. Notice how he is, that he tries to trick us. He can't give us good because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. He cannot give us good. So the only thing that Satan had to offer Adam and Eve in the garden and every single one of us is? You better realize that he's not your friend. He's trying to destroy you. But notice, by questioning God, by sowing seeds of doubt into Eve's mind and into her life, he begins to make both her and Adam question God's instruction. And as a result, they partook. And evil came into their lives. Satan could not stand the fact that man was living in a state of paradise. Satan could not stand the fact that anything and everything Adam and Eve could ever have desired, needed or wanted in their life, it was right there for them. They didn't even have to work for it. They didn't even have to sow a seed and they had a harvest. 
Because you'll read of it later, that's part of the curse, that now they have to sow seeds and till the ground. And, and, and ladies, there was no pain in childbirth. How many wants to just get mad at Eve for a few moments? A lot of people say, well, why did she have to do it? I'm glad she did it, because if she hadn't have done it, we would have probably done it. Come on now, let's be honest. Come on, we'll be honest. Well, it's the woman's fault. Well, hey, if it is the woman's fault, the, sh- the man should have followed too. If only Eve would have eaten, the plan of God would have not been changed. Why is that? Because the woman does not carry the seed. It was when the man ate that the seed of perfection was destroyed and sin had entered into mankind. So the man is just as guilty as the woman. So here we see in this situation, we see the fact that God looks at this perfection, this absolute beauty, incredibleness. And he says, wow, that's so good, let me put man into it. But Satan is also looking at that saying, hey, let me do everything I can to disrupt that. To destroy that, to take that from it. Does that sound perhaps familiar with our lives? God wants us to be blessed. Satan doesn't want us to live in the blessing. God, I give you my life. What's Satan's goal? To come out and steal that commitment from you in any way he can. God, I'm going to pay my tithes. What does Satan do? I'm going to come in and I'm going to frustrate them financially. I'm going to steal that from them. Why? He wants to attack you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to live in the blessings of God, but he knows he cannot stop the blessings of God. So what does he do? He attacks your faith. He attacks your belief. He attacks your trust in God. He makes you question whether God is able or not for your life. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be sober. And be vigilant. That means being self-controlled and being watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What's the description we see of Satan? He's walking around like a roaring lion. In other words, he's all noise and he is no bite. Have you ever been around one of those little dogs that likes to make you think they're big and bad? They are really big and brave till you take one step towards them. Come on. I remember my uncle or one of my family members in England telling me about the time he went to school and there was a bully who was preying on all the new kids. He was one of the new kids and the bully came up to him and tried to steal money for him or something like that. And he said, I'm not going to take this. And he grabbed that bully and he rammed that bully through the metal kind of lockers or whatever they had. Do you know what that bully did? He ran and cried. Why did he run and cry? Because he had no real strength and he had no might. The only strength he had was intimidating people into thinking he was big, bad, ugly and mean. But when that was exposed, when someone stood up to that, all of a sudden there was a realisation, hold on, there's a whole lot of noise, but there's no bite. Come on, his bark is a lot worse than his bite. Why? Because he's got no bite. You may say, Pastor Philip, how do you know the devil's got no teeth? Because Jesus kicked him out when he was on the cross. I'm telling you this right now. 
Satan thought he had him, but all of a sudden, a grave is empty. Come on. Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, when we talk about the cross, it's not the cross, period. It's the cross, comma. Why? Because we're continuing the thought. What do we mean? It's the cross and the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died and he rose again, he kicked the teeth of Satan. Do you realize this? Satan doesn't even have the keys for his own house. Jesus took the keys from death and hell and he says no longer as he kicked Satan in the teeth. So therefore, at best, all Satan has is dentures. And you know what happens? If he opens his mouth wide enough, they're going to fly out. Come on now. You've got to realize this. All he can do is make an imitation. He's a noise. All he does is try to put fear in your life. Fear in your life. But if you just stand up against him, realizing the fact that God has blessed your life and his ability is all over your life. And Satan can't do anything to stop that, but you can. Can you see what's happening here? Satan's making you doubt God. Satan's making you question God's ability. Because when you begin to question, what do you do? You begin to withdraw. And after you've withdrawn, you begin to with you begin to take away, you begin to subtract. You don't buy into that. You take away from that. He wants us to react wrong. To make us question God. To make us doubt the ability of God in our lives. I hate the fact that I question God. What? You're a pastor and you question God? You better believe it. Just because I'm a pastor, I'm I'm still human. Satan still tries to come in and frustrate and make me doubt the ability of God in my life. He attacks us in our minds, doesn't he? That's his first stop. If you hadn't paid your tithes, you would have had the money left over to get those LSU tickets. Oh, man. How many looked at the game last night and said, oh, here we go, it's going to be a long year. That's all I'm saying. Help us, Jesus. I'm making, a, I'm making a plea next year for them to start moving the games to Sunday night because I'm tired of people coming in here Sunday morning upset because LSU lost the night before. The devil tells you, why are you throwing your money away? Why are you doing that? Why are you believing in something like that? God can't redeem the rest. God's not able to meet your need. In fact, he doesn't even care about you. In fact, the devil, God says, or the devil tells you that God doesn't even know your name. He doesn't care about you. This whole God thing is just a joke. You're stupid. It's meaningless. What's those thoughts bombard our minds? Those devices that the Bible tells us that we're not to be ignorant of. Why? Because they're trying to make us stop believing the truth of God and entrusting in Him. Say with me, I'm not ignorant to those devices. Say with me, He's just trying to take advantage of me. Come on, He's trying to make me withdraw the commitment that I have made unto God. But you see, He doesn't just visit our minds and put those thoughts in. He then puts His devices into actions. Situations begin to happen. I know you don't say amen for that. You can say oh my if you want. Situations begin to happen. The refrigerator breaks down. The washing machine just quits spinning. Your car breaks down. You get a flat tire. 
You get sick and the doctors tell you it's terminal. Come on, the kids are acting up. The ones that you've been praying and believing God for and the more you pray, the worse they act up. All of a sudden, there's unexpected bills that you didn't know that were coming in the mail. And then your boss pulls you in and says, no more overtime. That overtime that you were relying on. Anyone got any more situations? (laughs) We could be here a while, huh? Help us, Jesus. Come on, say that with me. Help us, Jesus. Thoughts. Actions. But they're the same thing. Question God. Question his ability because Satan can't stop the blessings. But he can cause us to as we believe the lie. And we begin to do those. So we're in the aftermath. The rubber's hitting the road right now. The smoke has just begun to settle all around us. So we've got to make a decision today, and that is this. What are we going to believe? Who are we going to believe? What are we going to build our future and our lives upon? Are we going to build it upon the words of a liar? Because that's what Satan is. In fact, his name means deceiver, schemer, robber. I mean, he can't even disguise it because he's named it. So are we going to believe the words of a liar or are we going to believe the words of our Creator, our Saviour and our friends? In other words, at the first hint of struggle, are we going to run or are we going to by faith stand? Say, I'm not going to believe those words. I know where those words are. I'm not ignorant. He's not going to take advantage of my life because I'm not ignorant of those devices. I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to frustrate and hinder the blessings, but he can't stop it, but I can. So I'm not going to be ignorant to that. So I'm going to believe the word of God that says he is able. He is able. Listen to these words from Numbers 23, verse 19 and 20. It says this, God is not a man that he should lie. Say with me, he can't lie. God can't lie. It goes on to say, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. You only repent and ask for forgiveness because you've done something wrong. It's not that God cannot ask for forgiveness. It's the fact that he does not have to because he's done nothing wrong, period. He doesn't have to repent because he's perfect. So he has not lied. He doesn't have to repent. Notice what it says. Has he said it? Has he not given us principles of truth from his word that we can build our lives on it? Was it go on to say, if God has said it, will he not? Has he spoken it and will he not? Make it good. Something that's made good may mean that it's bad right now or having struggles or difficulties. What God is saying, there may be struggles and the difficulties, but you know what? What I've said I will do and if I have to, I can take extreme circumstances and I can still make them good. Come on, someone needs to know that in here. Some of the trials and the tribulations we go through, it's not all the devil. Sometimes it's God testing us. It's not all as a result of sin. Some of it is, but some of it's not. God can make it good. Let's read on. It's getting exciting today. I'm getting excited today. Verse 20, Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. And what God has blessed, come on, as you place your life in Him, God's blessing, His supernatural power wants to touch your family. And the word of the Lord is, what God has placed His blessing and favour on, nothing, nothing, that means no devil in hell can reverse that. 
Nothing. Come on, shout that out with me today. Nothing. The devil made him do it. No, he didn't. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can reverse it. Save one thing. Me. Huh. You. We got excited for a minute and then we realised we're there. We're there. You see, today, will we choose to believe God's Word? Will we choose to believe it? Will we continue to have faith and put Him first, even when we're going through the tests? I began to look at this, Malachi 3.10. I don't have it up there, but it says, try me now with this. God says, put me to the test. How many remembers God said, put me to the test? Why is it that God says, put Him to the test, but it feels like I'm the one that's been put to the test? Come on, I mean, let's be real right now. Anyone felt like that? God says, put him to the test. And it's all of a sudden you think, well, he's not sweating nothing. And I'm the one that's kind of panicking. I'm the one that's going to say, you see, the reality is this. God knows and we've got to have the faith to believe that he will pass the test. You see, that's what we've got to realize. Because the real test is not God passing the test because he can't fail. The real test is to realize that I'm the liability in this situation. To realise that we're the liability, to realise that we're the ones that must pass the test. What is the test that we must pass? As we trust God with our lives, we need to keep trusting Him. We need to keep believing Him. We need to keep trusting in His Word that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we could ask or even think of according to what? The power that He desires to place inside Every one of us. So really, the true test is, will I remain constant? Will I not quit? Lest Satan should take advantage of us. Come on, I can't be ignorant. Come on, Satan can't stop it. But I can. But I can. You and I have got to get to that place where we not only know what God says, but we must choose to live by it. James 1 verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What happens when we're hearers only and not doers? The word of God says we are deceiving ourselves. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, we're deceiving ourselves. Come on now, help me out in this place. Don't shout me down today. We are deceiving ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves. He can suggest, he can imply, but he can't do Notice what else this verse, I believe, implies. That we are to be doers of what we hear, not just when it's favourable. It's easy to love someone who's lovable, huh? It's another thing when they're not so lovable. But there's a need in our lives to have a continuance or a continuation to what? The commitment that we have made despite it all. If not... We rob or deceive. Satan can't stop it, but I can. Not me, you can. We can rob God from the opportunity to bless our lives. Think about this. God is the source. You've got to realize that. God's the source of life. If you think, as Arnold said today, that you've got it made for yourself, watch out because reality can come real quick. God's the source of life. And the important thing that we've got to realise in our lives is this. If we disconnect our lives, just like a hose pipe from a spigot, 
If we disconnect our lives, guess what? There'll be no flow through our lives. We've got to stay connected. Come on, say with me, despite it all, I'm going to stay connected. Why? Because I'm remembering all Satan has to offer me is not good. It's just evil. He's trying to make me question that which is. I'm trying to rob that away from me, that I will settle and buy into that which is evil. Quickly, as I close this morning, Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27 says these words. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus speaking and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall, but it was founded on the rock. It remained on the rock. I said it remained built upon the rock. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the, can I throw this word in there? The same. And the same rain descended. And the same floods came. And the same wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was its fall. Say with me, major disaster. Major disaster. Both had the same opportunity. Both heard. I think it's very interesting that we've got to understand this, that Jesus is not talking about a wise man and a dumb man. He didn't take someone who failed school and pulled himself and said, there's the dumb man, where's the one who graduated, there's the one. He he is talking about the fact of the actions of their life determine whether they are wise or dumb. So you've got to realise that. But we can look at our lives and say, well, I'm not the smartest. Listen, the, the actions of our life is that which determines in God's eyes what we are. So we see here that they both had the same opportunity because they both heard and then we realise the outcome of their lives or their actions determined that outcome. Both heard, both did, but only one chose to build his complete faith or place his complete faith upon God no matter what. What do I mean no matter what? Remember that word I said same? The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. That means just because we're giving our life to Christ, it doesn't mean rains will come. Come on, how many are getting a little bit wet right now? Come on, let me see your hands, come on. How many have some showers coming right now? What was it, Earl? Maybe it didn't hit the East Coast, but it certainly hit your home this week. Come on, some of us are having some windstorm blowing. Come on, there's some beat and there's some boisterous things that's taken place all around us. Come on, the rain and the winds and the storms, they came and beat upon both houses. As Christians, we're not immune to that. We may get wet and we may get afraid, but the promise is this, our boat is not going to sink. As long as we are built upon Jesus Christ. But as we remain... Oh, the trials and the tribulations. But God, I made a commitment. What's the deal? I'm putting you to the test and I'm the one that's going through the test. Well, God says, the test that you're facing, you're either going to get an A or an F. Are you going to pass it or not? You and I must continue to have faith. I like to think about faith in this thought. Continue the course. When it talks about have faith, continue the course. Don't veer off. Just because things aren't going right, don't veer off. Well, I haven't heard from God lately. Well, trust the last thing that you heard and keep holding on to that. You can have a navigation system in your car and it may tell you 10 miles from now, turn left. 
You can drive what you think is 10 miles and you're beginning to wonder, oh, have I missed the turn? There's a button on most navigational systems that you can press and it will turn around and say in 2.5 miles, turn left. But all of a sudden, you think you've gone further than 2.5 miles and you missed the turn again and you press the button that says, in 1.2 miles. What is the guarantee that we have in our lives? That is this, I'm telling you, just like a navigational system, when it's time to move and it's time to turn, God will speak to your life and say, within 500 yards, get ready to turn. In 250 yards, the turn is coming up. When you don't hear God, it's not time to change the course. It's time to just trust Him that you're on the right course and you're going to make it if you don't quit and you don't give up. Say with me, despite it all, We've got to remain unmoved. We must trust Him, the one who's never failed. Come on, when the refrigerator breaks, why do you keep talking about the refrigerator? Because ours broke this week. 499 dollars to fix that baby. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. When the AC goes out, no, my AC didn't go out, but probably someone's in here did. When you're taken to court, no, I wasn't taken to court, but some of you have been. When your marriage is in trouble, when your finances are on life support, when your dog has bit your neighbour, and they're trouble, 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 trouble. But when those things come, what is their purpose? What is their goal? Satan wants to take advantage. He can't stop. I said he can't stop the blessings. But I can. Oh, look at this situation. How can I keep trusting? How can I pay my tithes when I've got to pay $500 for a fridge? How can I, how can I do, how can I do all this kind of stuff? I've got to keep trusting. I've got to continue to have faith. I can't be ignorant. I cannot let him take advantage. Last scripture, 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Remember we read this scripture, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. That means take an assertive stance against your enemy's operations. That means no matter what, I'm going to resist him. But notice how it says for me to resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Immovable. Not doubting, but trusting. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. That means that everyone goes through these same things. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace. That's the same kind of God that I read about in 2 Corinthians 9, I believe it is, and 9 where it says, but God is able that will allow all grace to be applied and sufficient upon my life. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. We don't like that part, do we? But after we've maybe gone through it a little bit, look at the promise. God says, I'll perfect you. God says, I'll complete you. I'll establish you. I'll strengthen you. I'll settle you. Come on, hold on. Build your life upon the principles that God has given us. Why? Because when you build your life upon that, you will not go down. Satan cannot stop it, but you can. Refuse to allow Satan to allow you to question God and doubt him in your life. Stand to your feet this morning.
We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseeds Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.